Welcome to another inspirational teaching from the Neighborhood Church. We pray that you be blessed by it. Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And he replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. We're going to be looking at a message tonight called kind of like a donkey. I couldn't think of anything better to name this than kind of like a donkey. So if you're a note taker, kind of like a donkey is where you're headed. So tonight is the beginning of this incredible holy week that we celebrate as Christians. It is what we classify as Palm Sunday, even though we have a Saturday service. So therefore, we will call it Palm Sunday Weekend. And that gives us the justification to be talking about Sunday things on a Saturday. Amen? Great. I'm glad we're on the same page. So Palm Sunday weekend. As we, as we stand here on Palm Sunday, pretend it's Sunday, okay? Can we, can we do that? So a little less casual, sit up a little bit straighter. It's not Saturday, it's Sunday. So forget that you just had a coffee break pretend the lights were always on, it's Sunday. It's Palm Sunday. So exactly one week from now, we're going to be back here in this place. And it's going to be Sunday morning. We'll have walked through Friday, our Good Friday service, and we'll have a time of reflection, and it's going to be amazing. Next Saturday, we'll have baptisms here as well as next Sunday and, and Martinsville service. But as we stand here looking at Palm Sunday weekend, we know that just ahead is literally the weekend that changed the world. It's something massive. It's something explosive. It's something that puts a, a finality and, and this, this, this heart of amazement into the story of Christianity. So as we stand here and we look further down the road, we kind of we look at this, what's called the, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem of Jesus, but we look at it from 14,000 feet above because it's this story, it's this narrative that we're looking down on because we weren't there. So we're looking down on this thing, and we're taking into account what other people saw and what other people experienced. And sometimes it's hard to it's hard to get the full context out of a story like that. Um, and so just to kind of illustrate this a little bit, uh, Braden, can you bring me those three books? We, we have this book, these book tables for the last two weeks in the lobby. And so I went and grabbed the first three books I could find off of the fiction section because nothing says awesome like Christian fiction. So this one here... Um, and I will put these back. So if something, you hear something and you're like, man, I got to read that. Well, I'll put them back and you can read it. This one's called The Tempering Blaze. It's a 
I don't know, it kind of looks like Pierce Brosnan with a, with a lady. And Oh, he's got a ponytail, though, so it's not Pierce Brosnan. And the, the caption is, um, on, Undaunted by the revolutionary fervor around her, spirited Felicia finds her heart captured by a fugitive. So that's good. That's a good one. I'm not reading that. Um, then there's this one. Um, this one is called Frontier Lady. So it's this lady here, um, and she has a horse friend, and she's hugging the horse. And so it says, um, if only she had heeded the warning signs and fled to Texas at her first chance. If only. So that's the story of Frontier Lady. So if he, any of those are interesting to you, um, I've checked, and I don't believe either of these books have been taken out of the library at any point, um, but they're yours to purchase for 50 cents, and it will help us get good literature in the library by buying. <laughs> Let's, but in all honesty, thank you, martinis and whoever else is involved in that and restocking the library and making it awesome. Good job for taking Frontier Lady out of there. So the stories we look at through Scripture, especially in the Gospels, we have, we have four Gospels, as we know. Three are pretty similar. One's a little bit different. But they give us these, um, these narratives about Jesus. They give us these stories that weren't written by him. They were written about him and written about his actions. And through a lot of his stories, he tells parables, which are these the stories that are told within the story about how to understand what he's trying to convey about the kingdom of God, usually. And so we look at these stories, and we look at the one that's happening tonight on Palm Sunday weekend, and we, we can see many things in this. And if you grew up in church, you probably, if it, as a child, were given a palm leaf or you cut out a palm leaf out of construction paper and you waved it around in Sunday school. I did that. It was awesome. I hope they're doing that upstairs right now, beating each other with palm leaves. But there's so many layers inside of this particular narrative that I want to look at just one of them tonight. I want to look at one of these stories that might help us build the context a little bit better of what happened 2,000 years ago as Jesus entered Jerusalem. So I want to look at, obviously, the donkey. Um, I'll explain why it's kind of like a donkey over a picture of a busy city later, but kind of like a donkey. The donkey is a small but crucial piece of this story. He is um, both literally and figuratively a vehicle of peace coming into Jerusalem. And so when we look at the, um, we look at the donkey throughout Scripture, he comes up many times. And he's got a few different characteristics that he brings with him. I think one of my favorites is uh, Balaam. If you're not familiar with this, here's the Coles notes. So Balaam is this dude, and he's got a donkey. And for whatever reason, the donkey can see angels, okay? This is the Bible, so you just got to follow me. So there's this donkey that can see angels, and the donkey's walking 
on a path. And an angel is standing in front of the donkey, so he's like, nope, can't go that way. So in donkey fashion, he turns really slowly. I'm imagining this in my mind. And he goes off to the side. And the angel goes there. And so the donkey stops and gets ready to head back the other way. This happens three times. And each time, Balaam gets off the donkey and beats the snot out of it. And um, that's not good pet ownership to beat your animals. So the donkey's being beaten on. And finally, what happens is the donkey starts out again and uh, stops. Balaam gets off to go and beat the donkey again. And he's like, hey, stop hitting me. And the strangest part of the story is the interaction to me between Balaam and the donkey. Because Balaam found it stranger that there was an angel standing in the road when God opened his eyes and he could see the angel. He found that stranger and reacted to that, whereas the donkey started talking to him and there was no reaction other than just to respond in conversation. You gotta love the Old Testament. So Balaam's donkey, that, that, was, a, that was a good hit for me when it talks about donkeys in Scripture. We know that um, Mary and Jesus were carried into Bethlehem on a donkey. Peace coming to the earth, the kingdom of God coming near. And then a donkey also carried Jesus and Mary out of Bethlehem as they had to escape to Egypt to get away from Herod. And then there's one more little piece of um, donkey trivia in Scripture that'll help frame tonight a little bit. King Solomon. The day before he's king, he heads into Gihon to be anointed, to be christened, to be... Um, to, to attend his coronation to, to the throne of Israel. How does he enter? He enters on a donkey. He doesn't enter on a war horse like was expected of him. That's probably what we would expect of Jesus, too, if he's coming to establish his kingdom. But he enters on a donkey displaying the, humi the, the, the humility of, of the kingdom of God, the peace of the kingdom of God. He's not coming to declare war. He's coming to declare that God is a God of peace. So we have these, these illustrations of a donkey through Scripture. And as we look at the triumphant entry of Jesus, it, it is an enacted parable inside a narrative. Jesus is acting out a parable for us to see and us to watch. And he's challenged at one point. He's challenged by the Pharisees, and they say, whoa, I think this is getting a little out of hand. Tell your people to cool it. Just slow your roll and just back up because this isn't how this is going down. And Jesus makes the statement that really, really, to me, sets him up as a true king. Because he's declaring that this is good. 
He's declaring that everything that is happening behind him, beside him, in front of him is right and ordained by God by saying, you know, I could tell them that, but if I do that, even the rocks are going to cry out. All of creation at this moment is declaring the kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God is currently walking into Jerusalem. It is establishing itself. Even the, the people who are gathered around, his disciples and, and all of the, the Jews who've come for Passover, as they spread their garments out in front of the donkey. This is, a, this is an ancient thing that would happen as, as royalty would enter, they would spread out their garments in front. I can't imagine that went well with the Pharisees as well. They are declaring the kingship of Jesus Christ as he enters Jerusalem. If we back up then 500 years to Zechariah. So Zechariah the prophet, uh, one, of, one of the prophets who is called to rouse the Jews to rebuild the temple of worship. And so Zechariah, as inspired by God, said, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. I will remove the battle chariots from Israel and the war horses from Jerusalem. I will destroy all the weapons used in the battle, and your king will bring peace to the nations. His realm will stretch from sea to sea and from the Euphrates River to the end of the earth. So if you were there on this day, you are in this story. You walked into this particular narrative. A couple of things would be going through your mind. You'd have these, these memories of stories that you've heard about Solomon entering on a donkey, and you're making these parallels in your brain without even really realizing it. And then you're, you're backing up, and you're like, okay, but what, didn't Zechariah say something about this? What did Zechariah say about this? What, what's happening with the kingship here? And so after all of the, the things that have been happening around Jerusalem at the time, with all the freedom fighters declaring their messiahship, with, with everyone watching to see, okay, was, is he going to be the next messiah? No, he's not the messiah. He's in jail now. How about that guy? Is he going to be the messiah? Nope. No, they killed him as well. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes along. Garments are spread. And people are declaring that he is God. He is the king, the true king of Israel, entering Jerusalem. So for those watching in attendance, the Jews heading to Passover, they would have been wide-eyed, to say the least, at what was being witnessed. The kingdom of God just entered on a donkey declaring peace in Jerusalem. The kingdom of God has come close or is at hand as we hear echoed throughout the Gospels. Where is the kingdom of God? It's where God's will is being done. It's where peace is being established. That's where the kingdom has come. So tonight I want you to think with this context in mind then, I want you to think in your life 
What things have happened that have pointed you to the kingdom of God? What things have gotten you to the point where, where you're here week after week, you attend church, you love Jesus, or maybe this is your first time and you're seeking and all of a sudden you're here, but something pointed you to being here tonight. God has spoken to you in some way to draw you close to him. What in your life has pointed you to the kingdom of God? He speaks to us all differently. My wife often talks about the northern lights. So she's a real northerner. Saskatoon is the most north that I've ever lived. And um, I think we can put a period on that. I will go no further north. I went, so she's from Thompson. Um, I went there once in the winter, and I went there once in the summer. The winter, there was so much snow, and it was horrible because of the snow, and I'm weak. And in the summer, I went there, and the flies were like the size of birds. And so I think that was a safe, um, a safe ruling for us as a couple that we shall never move to the north. But Amberly loves the north, and she loves the northern lights. And she can tell you that any time in her life where there's something significant that had happened spiritually for her, she can always point it back to also seeing the northern lights at that time. And so for her, there's something special. There's this special piece of connection with nature that God showed her something and let her know how much he loved her. And it really established a strong relationship for her. And tonight we, we sang, It Is Well. It is well with my soul. Um, I didn't request that song. But let me tell you a quick story about that song. So my grandparents, um, two of the most amazing people I've ever known, and my grandma in particular, she... Um, she was the definition of prayer warrior. And um, she thought she had a beautiful singing voice. And uh, every year at our birthdays, she, um, she would call and say, um, I've, I've called so that I can sing you happy birthday. And we're like, oh, Grandma. All right, sing happy birthday, Grandma. So over the phone, it would, good. I remember when they were getting near the, the end of their time, this is quite some years ago. And um, my grandpa, who uh, shouldn't have been allowed to drive as an 85-year-old man who could barely see anymore. He still had a license. I don't know how. Um, so he would drive to where my family was living. And I, I was still at home at this time. And uh, so he would drive the about 10 hours from his home in Alberta to our home in southern Saskatchewan. And every time he would do this unannounced, we would immediately make a plan to figure out how to get them back to their home safely. And the one, it's probably the last time, we, um, we made the plan and we were like, okay, my dad will, will drive our car and take grandma or grandpa and um, I will drive Grandpa's car, and I'll take one of them, and uh, 
We'll make an excuse so they don't feel bad, but uh, it's safer for everyone if grandpa's not on the road. So we would do this. And the, the last time, I, um, I got to hang out with my grandma for, uh, for a very long trip. And um, she was definitely getting older. And our conversations would go in and out. And um, every once in a while, she would slip into a song. And that song was always, It Is Well With My Soul. And Grandma would slip into It Is Well With My Soul, and I would sing along with her. And um, it didn't sound good, ever. But there was a, a special spiritual moment there for us where we felt the presence of God. And then she would go into telling me stories about her childhood and uh, the things she's seen God do and the churches she helped plant. And it would just be this beautiful story. And then back into it is well with my soul. So anytime I hear that song, I, um, I'm always reminded of my grandma, a lady of prayer, a lady who was always there for us as kids. But most importantly, I'm always reminded of the faithfulness of God in my life. I'm reminded of the faithfulness of God and the sustaining power that he has brought us through anything because he's our God. And so God speaks to me through songs like that. A lot of times God will speak to me through nature, things that seem odd. We, uh, when we were looking at houses to buy, and we bought our current house, you can hear distinctly every single night a train will roll through. And for some people, it was like, no, I'm not buying a house that's like that close to the train every night. I was like, sold. It's a selling feature. Because when I grew up, my parents wanted us to get to sleep, and it was my dad's turn with the kids. Um, my dad was a railroader before he was a pastor, and so he would load us in the car and drive us down to the train yards, and uh, that's how we would fall asleep, listening to trains. And so it's just like these little, these little devices that get planted in your brain. And so I find great comfort in that. And the times I find the greatest comfort in God are the times I'm alone, but not alone. So if I'm in a busy city where I know nobody, but I can sit at a cafe and just enjoy myself, read, listen to something with one earpiece in while I listen to the world around me, God speaks so clearly in those times to me. And it's such a, a beautiful thing and how he does that. Because he speaks to us all differently. And quite often it's some place or something that if you weren't looking for it, you would completely miss it. Kind of like a donkey in a story. And the donkey in this story is something that if you're looking at it from above and just kind of like glancing down, it's like, great, there's a donkey. He, um, he went in, he went out, and uh, there's a donkey. Great. Jesus rode on a donkey to Jerusalem. Great. But there's so much significance in these little things. 
And if we stop looking for the significant little things in our lives where God is trying to speak to us, I think we do a giant disservice to everything he's trying to speak. Worship band, you guys can get ready to come. In the book of uh, Romans, because it wouldn't be the neighborhood church if we didn't use Romans. In the book of Romans, 1.20, it says this, for, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. The next verse says this. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. Everything around us breathes God. Everything around us has God's essence. It is held together. It is all ready to speak to us. And we have this story that is being told about us right now. There's a narrative going on about our personal relationships with Jesus. If you were to look at that story, how many things do you think you'd miss? How many times was God trying to speak to you that you missed it? And maybe it's not the huge stuff. Maybe not like, like Paul's conversion where he was struck blind in order to get him to listen to what Jesus was saying to him. Maybe you didn't need a worldwide flood. Maybe you aren't like Ananias and Sapphira where God has to strike you dead in order to, to make a point. Then maybe you're more like the still, small voice that God speaks to your heart in the quiet moments. To me, it kind of looks like a donkey. The stuff we can easily miss. So my encouragement for you guys this Easter season is to let God speak to you. Look for him in the stuff that might be mundane. But I guarantee that he's trying to speak to your heart. He's trying to call you closer to him. He's trying to maybe even just reestablish a connection that needs to be there. And as we look at the Easter season and we look ahead, we're only a few days away from our celebrations of the weekend that changed the world. But between now and then, let's let God speak to our hearts. Let's let him speak to us in ways that we maybe aren't ready for. Maybe you need to take a couple minutes and sit on your deck and just look up at the sky. Or maybe you just need to put some music on at home and just relax and say, Lord, what do you want to say to my heart? Every day we're invited to watch, to listen, to notice what God is doing all around us. Don't miss the donkey because you're looking for a war horse. 
let God speak to you in the ways that he's trying to. Amen? So let's take a minute to just listen. I invite you to sit or to stand as we just sing, It is well with my soul. Let his peace wash over you. And from that peace that our hearts and our souls and our minds would be open to hear his voice. We're thankful, Jesus, that this peace comes because of what you've done. This peace that surpasses all understanding. We thank you, God, that you speak to us as individuals because you love us.
We know you enjoyed this teaching from the Neighborhood Church from our Pine House location here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. To touch base with us from anywhere in the world that you're listening, or maybe you're just at the gym or in your car, you can text the word Pine House to 306-800-5296. There you can fill out our digital connect card. Or if you want to give it a distance, or maybe you've been working weekends or just can't make it to the city, text the initials TNC to 705-230-8977. Through that little portal, you can give or tithe or even give to missions. For any more information about The Neighborhood Church, you can check us out online at theneighborhoodchurch.org. God bless you and have a great week.